You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. To the Piper Carter podcast, you are listening to Piper Carter. We are on episode 102, and guess what? We had to do it again on our Zoom because our COVID season and our our COVID uh, ticked up, and we didn't want to risk being in the studio. But guess what? We are here with our co-host Brittany March. What's up, Brittany? What up, though, Pipe? Peace. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And Deja's on her way. And what's up, Jaira? What's up, what's up? How's it going, everyone? Hey, and guess what, guys? I wish we could do a Bye. drum roll. I wish we could do a drum roll. So we can let's do a drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Guess what? Our first guest from Atlanta. Hey. Bloom. Hey, what's going yeah. on, everybody? I am so elated to be on this podcast. This is great. This is exciting. So nice we're just saying off Thank you. Yeah, that you know, um, this is the last podcast that we're doing of 2020 because next week will be 2021. And so you are transitioning us into out of this um one era and into a new era so um our you know we've so far have have been exclusively you know detroit and so you are expanding us this is our moment of expansion so grateful and honored to you so thank you so much thank you you know uh this transition and the thought of transition is such uh, like a prophetic thing right now um this i think this whole year is about transition into next year is about transition and what everybody's trying to do and working on and stuff so i am with it yay and you know what so we're gonna get all into you we're gonna get on to your stuff i just want folks to know that atl is in the building yes 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 we just yeah. as cold as the Midwest, it feel like right now. <laughs> I love What's it. Your, like you're what? in the building on Zoom. I love it. <laughs> What's the weather for you guys right now? I, it's been kind of cold, man. It's been like <laughs> 26 degrees and oh, wow, yeah. 30, which I guess y'all must be what at like 18. Uh, usually Atlanta really like winter time is like 45 for Atlanta. I oh, like wow, to say. Yeah. yeah. Usually don't get 
down this code, but yeah, it sounds like us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I ain't come down here for that. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Um, we're. I mean, this is like such an honor. I mean, your resume is top notch. Is super stellar. Like, we're gonna get into our episode, but before we do, I just want to give um just a. I'm gonna just let folks know, okay, that first of all, you are, you know, you're me personally looking at your music, I think is refreshing. I I love the the new style and everything. I want to talk more about it in a little bit, but you know, um, you're very accomplished, you know, for a, a, a new artist, and it's interesting. I'm saying the word new. But obviously you're not like new per se, but, you know, maybe newer, you know, to some folks. And, um, you know, I want to I want to, you know, folks to learn more about you, more about your music, you know, about your path and all of that. And so um, I'm going to I just I just I'm going to share your resume. But you know what? I'm not even going to share your resume like right now. We, we got to hold off. I want to hear our I want to hear our tech report first. And then we'll get all into your resume. Is that cool? Yeah, I, I want to hear this tech report, man. Okay. <laughs> what's, what's going well, on? I've been tech? waiting all day to talk about this. <laughs> I'm ready. All right. Um, so this one is like pretty modern. It's going to be something like that everyone is used to, but not everyone is used to. It's going to be um, the Ring. If you even if everybody know about Ring, they have been um, blowing up with their like um, security. Uh, they have so many new like gadgets and things like that for your house to make you more secure. Um, they have like, I would say over, like uh, in a way they can technically um, just, you can have everything in your house controlled by ring. I mean, I don't know if everyone is comfortable with that because some people are very uh, self-conscious about, you know, just their security with the government and just people watching them. But um Ring has like um, a new arsenal of different security, which involves like a new um, fire alarm system, uh, smoke detector system, um, and a lot of their new uh, gadgets have like solar operated. So like you don't even have to charge them. You will use the sun to charge it and um, you can install it onto your roof or you can install it onto the doorbell ring itself. And it will just charge without having to like take it off the charger and plug it up like um, the other ones you have to do. Also, they have lights that you put in your yard with, um, you know, with cameras on them and sensors. So like, you know, the little lights you see in your yard that, uh, that you put on the pathway onto your porch, those will have like sensors and lights on them. And, um, it just makes it uh, a lot more easier to watch your home when you're not a, when you're away. And I say this because lately there's been a lot of like porch pirates going on. Like I'm pretty sure everyone heard about that lady who stole the um, the Range Rover and then was going around stealing food packages off their porch. <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah. And it's crazy how. Uh, the reason she one of the reasons she got caught was because everyone had a ring and they had access to the uh, footage and the police pulled up you know 
all the footage that they um, that people were posting and just track the person down because so many people have rings nowadays and it's very easier for um, crooks to get caught, which is great because it just uh, lowers down the violence. And it's just cool how ring is coming with this new arsenal of like different ways to um, watch and secure your home while you're away or while you're even home so that you're just safe. Okay, so that was the Gen Z report. <laughs> Brittany, give us the millennial point of view. Um, I mean, so I always say that systems like Ring are reactive, but reactive in a good way, right? It doesn't stop the crime from happening. It just helps you solve the, the quote-unquote mystery. So I'm not necessarily against ring systems or surveillance systems um i just again am against people misusing the data that comes from them so i mean if ring is a corporation that has to continually make money i was just looking at a product uh from somebody was showing me over the holiday uh um, i think the name of it is wise guys and they make all these different tech products that are half the price of you know, these boy, you know, boys company, Apple products, and then even ring. So ring has a lot of competitors um, in the surveillance market. So they're going to always have to come out with new products if they want to stay again, competitive and, and profit. So am I against it? No, but do I understand that the data could possibly be, be misused? Yes. We always talk about that, but uh, it definitely is a productive product if it, you know, if it's used properly. Okay, I'm the Gen Xer. I'm going to give y'all the Gen X view. This is some bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, do not put ring in your house. People, just the same way that you can see that lady with the packages, they can see you and they record it. And it's people that monitor the the ring thing. You know what I'm saying? And it's so many, if you look up like on just as much you know, as people say, like, oh, it's so great. If you look it up, like, all of the different nefarious things that people do with Ring, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just, yeah. just like when you, just like when you, and it's like they monitoring you and then they added ways to monitor you, like, even more extra. Are you freaking kidding me? X marks the spot for the Gen Xer on the Ring. Uh, y'all can have, y'all, y'all can have that. <laughs> But um, but let's let our let's let our guest let us know about uh, what what do you think? Let me not paint you. What do you think, uh, Rochelle, about that tech report? Well, here's the thing: if you think that you have privacy in 2020, you don't. All right, so just throw that out the window until we come up with some privacy laws that match this this era, this how we're living you know our our laws and things are not matching period and we need to figure out a way to like implement it i mean i don't really know how it goes to really get stuff to pass across because we're outdated out here period even in music and how we get paid musically it's an outdated system and it's messing over everybody so i think um like I get the ring thing. I just think nobody's safe anymore. Like it's it's no privacy. So if you choose to have it, cool. You can see who's, you know, at your door and who's stealing your packages and what animals outside your house, if that's what you're into. That's that's totally cool. Um, um 
I guess if, if I really wanted to see that stuff, I probably have Ring too. So I'm not mad, but I already know it's no privacy. You got Google and Instagram and Twitter and stuff all on your phone. They tapped in for sure. Yeah, it's interesting you say that too because Piper has you know broke us out by a generation, you know. But the def you know the definition of privacy and what it means to us generationally is changing. You know, Jairus' generation doesn't seem to think as of privacy the same way as Piper's generation, nor as me as a millennial, you know? So it's just interesting to see as we talk about building privacy laws and we talk about what, you know, how, how much privacy we have. It's just interesting to see how generationally we look at privacy and what it means to our everyday life, you know, what we're willing to give up and what we don't care about giving up, you know? Right. It's, it's, it's wild. It's wild out here. <laughs> Um, um, I'm wondering, Jaira, did you have anything to add? No, I mean, I understand. I would just, I mean, I wouldn't, um, on like on my own point of view of it, I wouldn't, I would only get it to a certain extent. Like if I had like a, um, I wouldn't get it for my home, but I'd get it for like a office of some sort or some place that I know um, I want to keep a watch on as far as making sure that nobody, you know, intrudes it. So like if I had a, a car lot, for example, I would want to make sure I know if somebody's coming to steal one of my cars. Cause, yep. uh, but I wouldn't get it for like a personal point of view. Like I wouldn't get it for my house because it like on, you know, like you guys are saying, um, and you can be watched easily. So. Yeah. That's a but good point. Cool that, smart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of watch, Deja's lurking. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, just wanted to welcome. Just wanted to welcome our um our co-host Deja. Welcome, hello. Deja. 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 Hello, 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 everyone. Nice to meet you, Rochelle. Nice to nice for you to join us. I'm excited that you came Thank through. You. Yes, yes. Had to make it home safe. Yes. Well, um, I'm like, I'm wondering, um, Brittany, how long is your report? Um, it's, it's not that long, to be honest. I mean, I can just go through it really quick. We all, you know, lately have been discussing the, the stimulus package from a consumer standpoint of what we're going to be receiving. And uh, it was pretty lock solid last week that we were going to be receiving the $600. And then uh, Trump, Trump, uh, jump in uh, very interestingly, and uh, asked for it to be modified or threatened it or threatened to uh, veto it, uh, asking for $2,000. So it threw a lot of people wow. off on both sides of the field, uh, left and right, um, right wing more so, again, are fighting for money not to be given away because they want the country to open back up so that people can apply for jobs in the left. Of course, feel as if um, they wanted more money, but decided to just input the $600. So somebody told me that the, the way that they looked at it is, is that the left is the auntie that always promises to take you to Disney World and never does. And the right is the uncle who tells you that they can't take you to Disney World because they don't have enough money, but go without you. So, you know, interestingly enough, they are calling this the best bipartisan deal that they've come up with in a while. And they're afraid now on both sides that Trump um, asking for a bigger amount um, of the $2,000 could, you know, mess it up just because one, they're not going to have enough time to renegotiate it because they think one, one off 
off thing could throw, you know, the whole entire negotiation off. Um, it's a 6,000 page document and they feel as if with the $600 payments, it's going to cost the country $167 billion. And if they go back and modify it to the 2000, it'll cost the country 370 billion. Uh, so we'll see this week if Trump gets what he wants. And again, a part of the reason why apparently Trump is upset is because a lot of his aides negotiated with the uh, with Congress behind his back because he was worried about the election. So he didn't really even have any final input on the Republican portion of it until after they negotiated it with the Democrat Democrats across the table. Um, I want to just read you guys some of the things that Trump is upset about. And along with the, uh, actually, ironically, some of the, a lot of the Democrats and Republicans are upset about that made it into the bill. If you guys just give me one second. Um, so, um, and then I'm wondering, did anybody here get stimulus money? Yeah. Yep. I did. Okay. How long did, now listen, you know, we have this conversation all the time. They say, oh, you can't get Negroes no uh, stimulus money because they're going to go by Jordans. Who bought Jordans with their stimulus money? <laughs> We're not even that crowd. Right. We're really not. But no, who but cares? Who cares right. if somebody bought Jordans or cotton candy with their stimulus <laughs> money? Well, it's funny you say that. So some of the things that people are upset about across both parties that made it into the bill are um, $505 million in aid to Central American countries, $25 million for gender equity and Democrat, uh, democracy, uh, democracy promotion programs in Pakistan, 1.3 billion in military aid to Egypt and 21, uh, two, excuse me, 219.5 million in aid to Southeast, and, uh, excuse me, Southeast Asian nations. Um, there was also uh, like an add-on bill that got passed that would expand the military budget throughout 2021. So some people feel as if, okay, Congress is complaining that they wanted to keep the stimulus at 600 because they didn't want the whole aid to get to a trillion, but, and that if they moved it to 2000, it would be 370 billion versus kind of going back and readjusting some of the things that I just mentioned that are in these deals. Now, me and Piper talked about this personally this week. She says America, the country that we are and the damage we've done, we owe it to other countries to kind of have help them with some of their relief. My question is, is okay, I, I'm down with that. But this package, it definitely does a, a, a robust job, surprisingly, with the unemployment. Um, the small business sectors, we all saw what happened with the loans that were supposed to go to small restaurants. They went to all of Trump's friends, the bigger corporations. So the PPE loans that were, were supposed to be designated for true small businesses weren't really designated for small businesses. So at the end of the day, I guess what I'm getting at is, is there was really no relief for the blue collar person. We got the $1,200 the check. Uh, we've been through back and forths. You know, Atlanta, I know is a little bit different, Rochelle, but Detroit has been through back and forths of restrictions as far as restaurants being open, 
uh, restaurants being closed. So, you know, to see this amount of money going to um, foreign countries and not really designating that money going to other countries for COVID and skimping us on our package, I just think it sucks a little bit. I just want to know what you guys think about that. Wait, let me just clarify. All I, my main point is America has enough and it's not a, and it shouldn't be a either or because that creates a us versus them. And that's what we keep doing is us versus them when actually there's enough to go around. And so I think that we should give money to all the people that we've harmed and also to the people. That's, that's, I just want to clarify that. I agree. But you know what I mean? I guess a sliding scale of, okay, you're giving, you're saying that if you give us 2000, it'll move it to 370 billion. Okay. That's cool. Take some, take a hundred million away from Central America that you're No, you don't have to. That's my point. You don't have to do any subtraction. Uh, America has it. So there is, they creating a sense of lack where there is no lack. There doesn't like me and you have to be like, oh my God, am I going to pay my electricity bill or my health insurance? They don't have to think about stuff like that. They have more than enough. So you're saying the goal of them trying to keep it under a trillion instead of that goal, just for wipe that goal out and whatever it takes to please all parties, let it pass a trillion dollars. No, my point is they have the money to take care of people. They have it. Like, like, you know, we're not talking about pe- people like you and me that that count our money. You, you feel me? We're talking yeah, yeah. about we're talking about people who have it. Right. Right. We're talking about the U.S. government has it is there. So they don't there's no need to be doing all this penny pin- pinching. That's what I'm saying. What do you guys think? I agree with Piper. Um, there's no need for penny pinching and I do feel like we owe other countries things but I feel like they owe their citizens too maybe as a priority because they've they've just been doing us dirty for years yeah but they also owe everyone else but I feel like you know why not give to the home base first I don't know that's just my opinion and even when we talk about giving to the home base, like for instance, NASCAR, I'm, I'm not a NASCAR fan. So this statement may sound biased, but they're giving NASCAR a failing industry, a failing sport, a $224 million uh, write-off and help with renovations when they're already a failing sport. So stuff like that, you could take that $224 million, that's an internal you know, an internal budget item and give it to people who really need it. I guess what I'm saying is, is like, you know how me and you do a budget, right? We do a budget because we don't have money. (laughs) So we're constantly, our mindset is constantly thinking of the lack. You get what I'm saying? So when your mindset is in lack, then your thoughts are, well, I got to balance it out because we don't have it here, but that's not what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with abundance. There's abundance here. So it's just to change the way you do the formula. There's enough to give everybody. And uh, just because I said I would be brief, I want to end it with uh, giving you guys what Canada 
uh, just approved, which is not too far off from America. I was actually kind of shocked. Um, actually, I'll take that back. It is a little far off. So what Canada's doing is they're going to be giving uh, $1,200 for each child under six. So if you have a, you know, instead of giving a $1,200 for, you know, you know, the household, if you have a child that's under the age of six, you have three children, you get $1,200 per child. That's not too bad. Um, and on top of that, they're going to be giving uh, throughout the course of 2021, they're going to be receiving uh, four tax free payments of $300. If you are in a household that's a hundred that has $120,000 uh, less for con contributions. And then uh, if you have more than 120,000 worth of contribution, you'll receive 150 of uh, four times as tax free. So they're giving us what six hundred dollars. Uh, if, if you know if Trump doesn't veto it, which people are thinking he's not going to do, um, and their Canada border is giving basically, you know, they're giving double of that, double of that next year. So, you know, it's up to your like you guys are saying. It's up to it's how you look at it. It's how you just you know how you look at the world as well, and how you look at you know government. Just like you know, some people say defund the police. Or some people say the police shouldn't be funded at all because they shouldn't even exist. So it's how you look at society. So I just wanted to, you know, give you guys a little input on uh, where the stimulus package was. Rochelle, did you want to weigh in on that topic at all? Um, I'm just in deep thought about this, this whole thing. Um, so like with the overall money being spent, are they trying to say that we have to pay this back in taxes in the future at some point? No. So what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So that's what I'm trying to say, right? So like, that's what. I'm, so let's listen. Take your six let, black people. Get your six hundred and buy you your twelve cannabis plants. Okay. Well. I, I guess the part I will agree with the I see what you guys are saying from that context, but the only context that I want to ensure people are understanding is is still a huge sector from this bill passing that is going to suffer, which is the restaurant industry because they're in limbo, completely in limbo, you know. So, especially with the way that the government hands out these funds that are supposed to be for small businesses, but only land in a corporation, so. I, I bring the stimulus package to talk about the $600, right? Because that's the big thing that everyone's been talking about back and forth. Um, but it's, it's also to talk about it in, in, in its entirety of how this country prioritizes, which is a huge, you know, the, a thing that's on the show all the time, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, we talked about this a few times. I'm not sure if Deja said it or if you said it. But it's obviously some, you know, within this, they're using it to, you know, they're using this pandemic and this crisis to, you know, take as much as they can. And pretty much what's happening is more for big business, less for small business. And because, yeah. you know, Black people are supposedly 12% of you know, the population and we have, uh, 
you know, so divide that. What did, what did they say? We have something like, is like, what is it like a million black businesses or something like that? So yeah, look at all of the businesses that are going to be destroyed, you know, in general, just small businesses in general. And then look at all the restaurants that have already been destroyed and will be destroyed. So there's obviously, you know, something larger at play, right? Because eventually, you know, they want to work to have whatever normalcy they want us, you know, to have. And so right. within that, right. you know, there is all of that going on, right? All of that is going on. I just say at the same time, you know, the, the sense of lack and, the, you know, does create it mixed with the media, it does create a sense of like, okay, you know, those people are bad. Immigrants are bad, you know? And, and, and the thing is, is like, at the end of the day, it's like, we just get pitted against each other. You feel me? It's yeah. not, it's, it's, it's not real. Like there is so much, this earth is so abundant they've just created these systems you feel me to charge you for water and charge you for electricity and charge you for food all this stuff was our creator gave us all this stuff we don't even need to be doing none of this agree preach i'm just saying like you know so so i'm just saying like let's not get into the like you know trying to balance the budget and just look at like you know keep shaking that tree that's what i'm saying keep shaking the tree we still don't have our reparations right you know what I'm saying? So anyway, I just that's all. That's all. That's my main point. That's all. Agreed. But yeah, um, Deja, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, wanted to see um if you have a, a report for us this week. No, I actually wanted to keep talking about the stimulus. Uh, yeah. Oh, you want you got more on the stimulus? No, um, that was just going to be my point of view, too. I just feel like there isn't, I don't know, I just feel like there's more that they can do. And I feel like there's also unnecessary things. I feel like Trump did make good points, but I also feel like he might be trying to get on Americans' good side again before he goes <laughs> out. Right. <laughs> my coworker and I were talking today about how um, he was saying something on Twitter. I forgot what he told me he said, but... All of his tweets from now on are basically going to have that warning symbol about how this may contain false information. Hilarious. He needs it. He does. I don't feel like Biden's going to do too much either for Americans, honestly. I was watching... Huh? He reneged on the student loan stuff. Yeah, I know. That was crazy. I was watching um, Jamelia Hill's show on Vice earlier, and she and her co-hosts were talking about, um, they're talking to Charlemagne about different political or different hip-hop people in politics, and Killer Mike came up, and um, Charlemagne basically was praising Killer Mike. And he praised Ice Cube, too. And this episode probably came out about a month after the elections. And they were talking about Biden as if he was some sort of savior. And I just got kind of grossed out. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I feel like that represented a lot of people's views still to this day. And I feel like they'll do any, like, they feel like anything is better than Trump. And that's not the case. And I know we've talked about this a million times, but I don't know. I just, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to feel about anything. I almost feel like, do you guys think that a monarchy would be better than the democracy that we No! <laughs> do you feel like there's a difference? And plus, do you I don't feel like there's a difference? I mean... Yeah, I mean, we, I don't yeah. look at it as a... I don't look at it as if we live in a on paper we're a democracy, but we're really a diverse a, a diversity of many t- types of government depending on where we are. I think we are democratic. I think we're we can be socialist. I think we're communist sometimes, and I think we are you know we can be a monarchy depending on where we are. We're on that? paper a republic. That's what we are, but right. But we fight for democracy. But even but democracy like is not perfect. Operate. You know, democracy is not perfect. That's just the uh, majority rule. And that's not perfect, right? Like, you don't always want right. the majority to rule. Right. So I don't know. I'm, I, I, I think we do need the diversity. <laughs> I'm going to keep it a buck. Like, I, I, do too. I do too. You know, because nobody was mad about the stimulus check. I mean, they was mad about the amount, but that's socialism right mm, yeah right so you know what i'm saying give me mine exactly. <laughs> that's what that's what people were saying right all the people who said that there was anti-bernie was like oh socialism is gonna ruin the country the same people was like where's my check right. so many people i knew were that were still working because they got furloughed for a day we're still trying to apply for unemployment people who make hundreds of thousand dollars a year oh, yeah. that's socialism <laughs> right <laughs> it's greed uh, right greed. exactly greed that's greed oh my gosh it is annoying deja <laughs> i feel like it's a hamster wheel and I, is, that was, we were debating this at work and that was my point i just feel like it's a hamster wheel it is my coworker asked me that that um, question about the monarchy, and I was like, uh, "I feel like I don't know. I just feel like there isn't a difference sometimes. Sometimes oh, I, mean, I feel like definitely... like they're look at. I mean, well, between well, the Republicans and the Democrats, sometimes I feel like their end goal is just to fuck everybody over. Yeah, right. it is. And that's so... what I. That's that was my point to Simon, and I felt like that's maybe why he asked me that monarchy question was because I was <laughs> going in about how there's they are they do fight for different things, but at the end of the day, they're they're on the same side of the coin. Yeah, yeah. Rochelle, I don't know how it is in in uh, Atlanta or what you really know about Detroit, but Detroit has been going through like a a massive downtown uh, concentration of gentrification, and so. Here we have it at where we have a, a, a white mayor in an 85% black city that lives on the outskirts, never really was a Detroit citizen. But on top of that, we have a guy that has been investing in Detroit. How long would you say, Piper? A decade? Dan Longer, has, like at least 15 years. So he, it's like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Semi-Pro where Will Ferrell is like the basketball coach, the general manager of the team, the halftime performance Dan Gilbert here, Rochelle, basically, he 
owns the biggest mortgage company. He owns the surveillance contracts. He owns almost 95% of the buildings downtown. So to me, that's a monarchy. He has his own private police force that's deputized and can arrest you for real. Right. I mean, oh, he owns the Wi-Fi connection. The, for every business that has once high, you know, high broadband um, Wi-Fi, he does the contracts for that as well. Interesting. Has his own property management company. It's a monarchy. That's that's not a republic or a democracy at all. Well, you, you know, know what, what Rochelle, this is what we've heard. We've heard that Atlanta is the black utopia. Y'all have a, a black woman mayor, and that all roads, bottoms. that all roads lead to Atlanta, and all black people should move to Atlanta. That's what we heard. Uh, yeah. Why are y'all still out in Detroit? Come on, oh, come, on over here. Oh, <laughs> come over here. Come over here. We still fighting a good fight. I'm not Rochelle. mad at that. I'm not mad at that, man. <laughs> yeah, y'all got but, a passion um, for the city. But tell us about tell us about Atlanta. Like, what's the what's the COVID uh, restrictions like right now? Are there COVID restrictions in Atlanta right now? Let me tell you. Like, we are wide open. Somebody like I knew I was wilding out. Don't ask because don't ask me why I did this. I just had to, you know, check the temperature. You know what I'm saying? When you've been on lockdown and you're not really paying super attention to news because they're just telling you the same thing over and over on repeat and you don't want to get into this depressive state. And we all know, like, in a sense that the news will dictate a certain narrative that they want you to hear and whatever. Um, So I was like, okay, okay, okay. Let me, um, maybe this was like in... Uh, kind of want to say September, end of September or something. I said, let me go out for real and, and check the status of what <laughs> Atlanta's really doing out here. So somebody's like, hey, come to the club with me. <laughs> Jagged Edge is having a release party. And I was like, okay, let's 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 see what, what this is about. Man, that thing was slam-packed. Like, people was up in there. Like, I had double mask on. And I was like, yeah, we stayed there for 10 minutes in and out because we're on some business stuff, but like people are out here. They don't care, man. They do not care. Like, for real. It, you can, things are still popping in Atlanta. How and long was, has it been like that? Oh, just like after, like, we had that, it was maybe like a nationwide lockdown or whatever. Like, after that, it just like went back to normal. <laughs> And, like and how's your how's the you know are you hearing about any cases or deaths you know like what's that like um i'm sure it's still i mean definitely people have definitely been getting it out here a lot of people been getting it out here um nobody i personally know has died from it um right now my grandfather but he's in indiana he's fighting it he just got it and he's in the hospital and with oxygen and everything. But he was, you know, out doing his own thing as well. But for him, because he's like a, in his 80s. And I think like for him, it was just a choice. Like, because for older people, it's going to mess you up either way. Either you're going to be in the house depressed and can't function and just, you know what I'm saying? Or you're going to be out trying to live your rest of your days the best way you can. So, um, 
I don't know, it's just been real interesting. And even how people do masks and like, if we could just talk about how people do masks, it's like, y'all sit around a table and eat with each other with no mask and then put them back on like y'all do it. Like y'all was just together. Like I'm really confused about who, how people handle masks. Yeah, or they'll just that. take them out for around certain people. But like, you don't even know where that person's been. Like, like your homies, you just want to take it out and talk, which I get. But like, duh, like you don't know. It's it's right. <laughs> it's funny to me, interesting, and yeah, all the above. Deja, were you saying something? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I don't understand how we can eat around each other and be okay and then have to go back to putting our masks on like we're still not breathing the same air as if air still isn't being circulated around the mask right it's not or air- how, yeah i agree or how a mall can be open because you can social distance more but a restaurant can be open you can to me dictate how many people are in a restaurant in the space between them better than you can at a mall it's still the same air. Right. Yeah. And then the restaurants out here. I had went to some place to pick up a pizza. I mean, people were stacked on top of each other. It was the craziest thing I seen. I was like, God, Lee, like Atlanta don't care. They don't care. <laughs> wow. Well, we, uh, we want to send some um healing love to your grandfather. What's his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh his name is Rodney. Uh I appreciate that. We send you some healing love, Mr. Rodney. To you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I'm wondering about, so in Atlanta, you're still doing dates and stuff like that? Like, you know, like, like uh, appearances or whatever? Like, is that still, I guess that's still going on? Well, I'm personally not because... I haven't made up in my mind of how exactly I want to do things per se. Um, because I, you know, I'm still around a lot of people and I want to make sure that they're safe too. You know what I'm saying? That I don't bring or be a carrier of nothing. Um, yeah. So if anything, I'm going to just start doing some online live stream type stuff, but um, we'll see. I'm still on the fence of everything and trying to, you know, way out. Yeah, you have to be like. careful. Yeah, you, you really know? do. Especially shows and stuff like that. But let's get into let's get into you a little bit because I have like a whole I have like a whole thing on the vaccine and COVID and all that. But I think uh we can do that <laughs> after we talk to you because I got like a, a bajillion clips. But let's 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 learn a little bit more about you now. Um I do know it says that you had opened for Ludacris before and you have such an extensive you know bio first of all if people are listening to the podcast while you're listening to the podcast go right now to uh Rochelle's IG is R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E B-L-O-O-M-X is that a I? yep Okay, and it's the same thing. It's the IG, Twitter, and Facebook. No, Facebook is um, Rochelle Bloom X. And so... I think it's all XI. It's all XI? Okay, so it's all XI. 
yeah so go right now to the ig the twitter the facebook do your follow check her out while you're listening to the podcast so you can see uh what you're all about so i think we should just kind of let's just kind of get into it like you know um tell us some more about you like i could read your bio but it's so much more interesting that you're here to hear you tell it um so yeah tell us like who is rochelle bloom well i am a person who's passionate about music and that's why i rap i'm a passionate about uh the freedom of speech um i don't like to be detained when it comes to words and what i say and what i want to express musically um uh you know i'm a child of god um so you kind of hear that spill out in some of my music too um and I, i just uh my main focus is just impacting the industry and just giving them something you know, a little fresh, a little new, a different perspective. Uh, and I like to call this whole journey like on the road to eight Grammys and just pushing through. Cause oh, you better put that into the universe. <laughs> I'm uh, originally from Indiana, and I, hey, I have been... Midwest love. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I moved to Atlanta to really start really uh, pursuing music, music like for real, you know just to do the whole grind thing. And, uh, you know, it's just been a work in progress. You know what I'm saying? You you could see some of those things like opened up for Ludacris, but like all that stuff was, it just took a lot of time, a lot of work. Uh, it just sounds fancy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So tell, you gotta us have- about that. tell us about that, that, that climb. Cause you know, that's the interesting part. It's, in, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, just get to see the, the, the music video or see you looking cute with your pretty hair and stuff. And, you know, uh, it, you know, you make it all look so, so easy. So tell us about, you know, uh, your your humble beginnings my humble beginnings humble beginnings begins with like interning at a bunch of studios emptying garbage and all that fun stuff dealing with people's attitudes and things like that but you know when you have a vision all that stuff don't matter you know where you're supposed to be and where you're supposed to go again in in the entertainment industry it's a relationship-based um uh business and you know being from the Midwest, Indiana and stuff, it's like, ain't nobody really out there. You know what I'm saying? You have to, I think one of the best advice I could give anybody like on some real stuff, if you want to be in the music business or entertainment, location is everything. And I know we talk a lot about internet stuff and that's cool or whatever, but I really still believe that you really kind of got to be in the mix if you really want to kind of get stuff popping. Um. Because it's like, you know, the moves I made in Atlanta probably would have taken me five years to do that I'd done in a year in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? It's a different kind of atmosphere. It's a different kind of energy. It's a different kind of uh, speed that they work at that everybody works at. Um, So, yeah, you know, doing the whole open mics thing, 
you, you gotta gotta let people know your face and hear your music and stuff like that. And you have to do it on a constant, you know. I don't know if it's a real secret to success. It's just like you gotta do the same thing over and over and over again. And then a little bit more people know you, and then a little bit more people know you, and then a little bit more people are talking and people know you, you know, I'm still on the journey, you know, and you guys are part of it now. Um, again, thank you for having me on your podcast, but that's just kind of what it is. Yeah. And so um, how were you able, because, you know, um, you know, a lot of people move to Atlanta, you know, but I don't think a lot of people got a chance to open for Ludacris or do some of those things. So how were you able to, you know, get that opportunity, but then also stand out, you know, to the, to the point where you got a yes. Um, just being around the events they would be at, you know what I'm saying? And then it's just, it's like the constant, Hey, listen to my music, being around what's going on. I don't want to call it begging in a sense, but it's just like, you have to constantly put yourself out there and know who you're supposed to be talking to. Um, cause I, you know, like the thing about Atlanta is everybody's out. Well, I guess not now since COVID, but the thing that was about Atlanta is like, everybody's just out in the mix on some normal stuff. You know what I'm saying? You could run into anybody anywhere. And like with social media, they pretty much let you know where they be at. It's just about having a plan of what you're going to say when you run into them, you know what I'm saying? Or who you need to talk to. Um, it's a lot of things. It's just strategic. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I wish everything was just talent based, but it's more strategy based. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It is. And so once you, so how did you decide like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to share this particular music or this makes sense. Like, how did you even, how did you even come to make those types of decisions? Well, the thing is, like, about Atlanta, Atlanta has a, a specific sound that I don't feel like I necessarily have, especially being from the Midwest. And uh, the thing that I always knew to do was, even at the open mic mics, everybody's going to have this Atlanta sound, and you're going to sit in the open mic, and it gets kind of blurry after a while. Everybody sounds the same, but you're going to remember me because my music and how I deliver and things don't sound like everything else. I'd rather be a standout than blend in. So I always just made sure that I had records that stand out, and it still will have like kind of like that bounce or that feel sometimes to it, just to kind of like you kind of got to blend to let people know, okay. You know, this this beat kind of something you're familiar with, but how I'm rhyming on top of it may not be. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's just yeah. kind of mixing both worlds. And then how did you begin? You know, how how did how do you tell yourself? You know, okay, I I'm an MC, I'm an artist. Like, how did how did you even begin to identify as such? Um, I mean, that happened when I, when I was real young in like elementary school. Like, I think my story's kind of weird because like a lot of people will be like, they see people on TV or something and then decide that they want to be artists and or was inspired that way. I mean, I always had a passion for music when I was real young, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in music. But like, 
um, one day I was like rapping in gym class or whatever. Cause you know, like, you know, back in the day, you always used to want to sing like the songs that were popular and stuff. And then you and your friends would get together and kind of rap it and sing it and stuff like that. And uh, I remember just, I was like learning this record. I was like, yeah, and I'm gonna rap this when I get to class, blah, 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 blah. And I did, and when I did start rapping, the entire gym or the class that was in the gym just surrounded me. And then I was like, oh, I'm a rapper. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> so that kind of steered my focus from here on out. And, you know, I love that you said that because, <laughs> you know, what's funny, a lot of times, you know, uh, people will be like, OK, I'm a rapper. And then, you know, like no one actually wants to hear them rap. So that's a really important point <laughs> that you kind of <laughs> brought out there was that people gravitate, people, people wanted to hear you you know they gravitated towards you so that's just for anybody that wants to be a rapper like if you start rapping and people walk away like you might want to think about maybe you want to be an engineer or something i'm not sure <laughs> but um yeah so thanks for that point i saw um a couple of folks come off a of mute i know gyra had um uh some questions i wanted to share the space uh with my co-host because they have questions as well. Um, but we could keep the conversation going. I wanted to pass it. Jaira, did you want to um, jump in here? Oh, man, I was just listening. But I I really, so I myself is, am a music enthusiast, I would say. I like music. I've been, you know, grew up in music. Uh, so uh, I really understand, you know, the growth that you were talking about as far as um, getting to where you got to be at. Because I, I went through it myself. but you know, over the years, I just found that music wasn't so much my uh, strong point. Uh, I still do it for fun and, you know, just, just like as far as like a mental um, re relaxation to me. But um, it's, it's, it is a tough industry, like you say. And then anyone who does success, who is successful in it or who does well like yourself, I, you know, I really appreciate that because, you know, it's not easy. It's pretty hard. It's not, it takes a lot of dedication and um, hard work to get to where you want to be at in it. Yeah, you're so right. And then like a lot of people get confused. Like you make all this money doing music. I started telling yeah. people, no, I started messing with, I went out to Silicon, Silicon Valley and started messing with the tech people. And I was like, oh, this is real money. <laughs> so like I'm an advocate of like if that's don't if you because if you don't have the passion for it I don't think it's going to carry you you know through the hardships and the just, just constant roller coaster of things of not knowing how things are going just like the COVID thing like you know they it's like yeah. basically no performances and that was our main yep. source of income like what yeah. You're, you're speaking into what I what difficulty I ran into, a big difficulty because um, I was just moving out of like moving out of my family's house, and I was still doing music, so it was kind of hard for me because I I dedicated like a lot of my life to the music, and mm -hmm. um, only for it to just not come out too good, so. I kind of went to school for audio engineering. I did a lot, like I was putting in the work, 
but nobody was just trying to, you know, hire me or anything. They were just trying to make me some, you know, apprentice, like where I just pick up trash, kind of like you, how you did. But I did that for a long you, time. You did that in uh, Detroit? Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So I was going to, I was pretty much in almost every studio in Detroit. In Detroit? Yeah. But um, again, what, were, were like uh, big names coming through the studio though? Yeah, it was big names, you know, coming through the studio, but the studio wasn't trying to pay the, not even, the studios weren't even trying to pay the engineers, like engineers weren't even making, you know, little to none. They were, the studio was like taking it all. And right. it's just crazy. Yeah, that's how that's how they'll do you. You know, um, you have to understand when you're um, doing an internship what you're trying to get out of it. Yeah. So, like at a certain point, you have to leverage your skill set or who you work with with somebody else who does value it, and be like, "Hey, I just I work with this 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 person. You have to pay this rate. I mean, you just have to. Like, it's it's um." Or you have to go somewhere else that's like outside of Detroit and, no, and do it that way. Because what happens is that the artists and the producers, if they mess with you like that, they'll end up hiring you. They will end up hiring you and making you the, their personal engineer. And that's how a lot of people were uh, getting on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Rochelle, you, you mentioned a, a, a lot of uh, powerful things that I want to touch on, but when you just said that, it made me think about Jay Z's engineer, Young Guru, who mm -hmm. uh, became his personal engineer. But you mentioned two things: uh, Silicon Valley. You mentioned the time you spent out there, and I was going through your music, and that might be one of my favorite tracks from you. Um, can you talk about the inspiration behind Silicon Valley? It sounds like you kind of hit on it a little bit, maybe with you spending some time out there. Yeah. Uh... I had, um, I went to South by Southwest one year. And again, it's all about separating yourself. So I would go on Tech Week. Tech Week was a different kind of ball game. You would have people with some real money, investors, and just, you know, it wasn't your typical um, <laughs> South by Southwest experience. Okay, and yeah. it was my first time in a, I had uh, was just walking down like the main roads or whatever, and somebody invited me into their space, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, um, you know, do you play video games? You come come in here, and uh, we got this VR thing, and blah blah blah." <laughs> and I didn't know what it was at the time, and they had rented out like this barber shop, and they they gave me the whole VR goggles and things like that, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is incredible." And I just kind of start talking to them and networking with them. And they were just telling me, you know, a bunch of stuff about how they did things and just it was very creative. And uh, I just connected with them heavy. And like a lot of those kids now, man, they're on like the Forbes list and stuff. I had wow. met, uh, Jewel Burke out there. She's in Atlanta, too, uh, who had developed this product called Part Pick. I guess it was something like, well, you take a picture of it or whatever. And it'll like find the part that you need. Amazon ended up buying that joint. I think she wow. became a millionaire. Um, just like a lot of people was out there like doing it, like doing it. And then they were like young, like me and them. I was like, dang, this is crazy. I've never seen so many young people like doing it like that. I was like, man, I'm gonna get with you guys. Um, so that was like a 
eye-opening experience. I didn't know like all this was out here and out there. And you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Chris Lyons over there with Anderson Horowitz, which is a venture capital fund. Uh, his whole job is kind of to get more black people into the coding and the tech industry and expose them to that. So he's been doing a lot of different work. I know he's done some stuff with Shonda Rhimes and Nas and a whole bunch of other people with, you know, just specifically trying to get more uh, black people into the tech world. So um, it's a lot out there, man. It really is. And I was just really inspired just to see something different that I'd never seen before. That's so dope that that song came out of that experience. Like, and I love that you titled it that. And I love the beat. It reminds me of something techie and Cody and programming. It was just, <laughs> it's an awesome, it's an awesome vibe. And the uh, other last thing that, you know, not to hold it up, but the eight time Grammy vision, Piper hit on it as an affirmation. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, I saw, you know, I went to your Instagram and I saw that. Um, that is something that, you know, that you highly, highly um, believe in. Um, and that you're, you know, that you kind of are aligning as an affirmation for yourself. So if you could talk about that, that would, I would greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I was just, uh, out here one day working with one of my peoples and, uh, we were just talking about my music. I had made like this new record and I was over his house. Uh, shout out to, uh, Charles McCree. He's a super smart, dope brand management guy. Um, I was like, yeah, man, this this record right here, man, yo, this sound like Grammys right there. It sounds like Grammys. And he was like, yo, that should just be your whole tagline, like on the road to eight Grammys and just do that with that journey because it, it says everything that your music is without saying that's what it is. Mm, love it. Um, I was like, that's dope, Charles. Let's roll with that. So big, big shout out to him for him to like, realize my vision and helping me you know put it down to a single hashtag and that's the art of brandy um mm. brandy's so important um and ever since then that's just been i don't know it's just been the focus or whatever so every time i see like a grammy in real life or whatever i kind of like take a picture and i'll be like wow this is crazy and just kind of like i don't know align myself accordingly um i'm with the recording academy which is like the people who come and uh we can vote in the grammys and stuff like that which i don't understand why most artists don't like they Mm. complain about (laughs) they complain about not being nominated and stuff and then in my head i'd be like but did y'all vote did you know to vote you hear people come Mm. up there and accept speeches like I don't even know what the recording academy is, but thank you. Wow. <laughs> I was like, they didn't well, vote. <laughs> you're, you're dropping some serious gems though, like for real, for real, Rochelle. And thank you for that. You know, it's just, uh, it's, it's like you said, it, the, the industry does come off as, you know, like a lot of industries, it's not so much the passion, um, but it's the mixture of the passion and understanding that it's a strategy, you know? So yeah, uh, I think it's, I think it's uh, very interesting. Your move to Atlanta uh, because Atlanta is a great spot, as you mentioned for, and Piper mentioned, you know, for black culture, but Atlanta also has been such a progressive state for music, starting with, you know, Goody Mob and Outkast and, yeah. 
uh, so many good acts. And, you know, you you trace it to Young Thug, you chase it to Little Baby, you chase it to, you know, just even um, Gucci Man, the, 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 the legacy, the, the line of talent. And just like Detroit has a sound, right? Atlanta yeah. has, has, you know, uh, Atlanta is interesting because you talk about Outkast who has its own sound and then you talk about Atlanta's music and you think of, you know, Gucci Man, Young Jeezy, Trap, tri- you know, Drill, T.I. And then like Detroit, it has a this sound that you think of and then you go there and you kind of have this like, you know, very unique sound and confident sound that's so different. So when you're going to these open, open mics and I saw that you also like to do ciphers, you know, you stand out and that's an amazing strategy. So thank you for sharing that with us. No problem. No problem. Yeah, I'm wondering, um, Deja, did you have questions that you wanted to ask? Yeah, I'm wondering where you're going to go next. So is, do you have plans to leave Atlanta one day after you leave <laughs> the <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> I had a whole passport I didn't got that's blank. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I'm, I'm good with Atlanta right now. I don't like, especially now. Especially <laughs> now. Yeah. I see a lot of people from LA and New York coming out here um, because of their super lockdown situations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would probably would have had a different answer for you last year. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> but this, this is this is where we're at. So, well, tell uh, since we're um on this, can you tell us about the project? I mean, we've all listened to it, but. You know, you're on the podcast, so we want to hear you talk about it a little bit. Like, so tell us about this, this current project that you have. Well, right now, I just have this single released called uh, Stay, which is the perfect pandemic single, simply because when you're in relationships, especially now they're getting super tested. You don't know if it's going to work out or not. And uh, I was just kind of talking about just a tumultuous relationship and just kind of wanting the person to stay. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if you don't want to be here, don't. But I really want you to stay. Um, It's off my upcoming project called Partly Cloudy, which is uh, a bunch of different records just kind of talking about some real life stuff. You know what I'm saying? Res Leon is singing on the Stay record, and uh, it was just like a really dope collaboration. Um, yeah. And so, tell us about um, that collaboration. Like, how did that come about? Well, um, well, actually, like I was, uh, I was kind of chasing her down because uh, I really liked she had a tone that I liked that I wasn't getting anywhere else everybody else kind of had like this like R&B more so singing tone she kind of gave me more of a pop feel so I knew I could do some different records with her and one of my buddies had uh randomly put us on a FaceTime and I was like cool you know we we should work together or whatever because she's from Chicago so when the next time I came back to Indiana uh we uh wrote on this record and um my buddy uh, Reggie Rock produced this and I was like yeah this is I can just hear your voice on it this record was like made for you so let's just 
come up with something that would be dope and that people can relate to. And we ended up coming up with this whole thing. So, um, can you talk about like that process of like writing with another person? Man, I'm the most yeah. trashest person writing with somebody. I ain't gonna lie. Cause I, I do like all my records are really done by myself because I be in a mood. I have an idea of what I want to do. I'm fleshing it out. I like to do solo records most of the time, but um, like writing with somebody else, it's, it's, it's a little more complicated because, you know, you got to kind of agree on some stuff and figure out what's going to be the best lyric and words and stuff. Cause we actually, well, I actually had her rewrite the hook <laughs> again. So that wasn't the first hook. I needed something that would be uh, more on uh, one with the song to make it a complete thought. Um, so for me, it's just a, a little difficult. I prefer for people just really to send me what's the idea okay, cool, send me the beat and I'll write my verse kind of thing for me. So it's still something that I personally feel that I need to be better at and working with, collaborating with other people in the room rather than just send me the record kind of thing. Um, But yeah, that's, I think it's, I don't know, just how I process so internally that you don't even know what's going on. So it's hard to uh, communicate externally with people when i'm in my music mode so were y'all so. together um when, when we wrote this yeah well we wrote half of it together and then like i finished my verses or whatever and then she did the hook and then by the time she did the hook she, i had already went back to atlanta and she was in indiana then i had to have her rewrite the hook and she was still in indiana we just did it via Skype. Like I was in that session via Skype. Uh, no, actually not that. We have a bunch of records together. Uh, I actually was in there. I was in there in the studio and had her redo that. I came back up there to do that. So was it like, you know, y'all were like sitting like next to each other writing? Yeah, when we first, when we first got the record, yeah, we were sitting next to each other writing. But we didn't finish it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We just so was it, it like own. so so then what did you do? Did you come? Did you say like, well, here's a shell of an idea, and then did y'all like have conversation like in that moment, or was it like, yeah, like we, how we, did conceptually that work? We we figured out what the theme of it was going to be. It was going to be about this relationship and whether you know it was going to survive and how it needed to survive, but didn't know if it was going to survive and we took that, we had the main theme and concept and kind of like I had some of my bridge parts. So she kind of knew where it was going or whatever. And then I think like, once you have the theme, you can really write the verses and do whatever else you need to do. Um, Now, did you hear, now, did you hear, you know, how you wanted it in your head or, or you already had the music? Yeah, we, we already had the music. We were writing to the beat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so did the beat, so did the did you tell the producer like this is my this is my concept for a song that he made the beat based on that concept? No, he just sent me the beat. He just sent me the beat. I he believe. Sent you, okay, sent you the beat. You kind of chose the beat like that's gonna work for this concept, like that. Yeah. Um 
because usually because when Reggie he he doesn't live out here anymore but we would get in the studio and I would kind of he would just like play some stuff and like what do you think about that or and then I tell him no use this sound do this here do this here and we would collab uh musically like that and then I'd take the record home and then write to it or whatever um Mm -hmm. but my process is always and it's always been generally music first but sometimes I'll just have concept ideas and I keep those on my like iPhone and stuff just Mm -hmm. concepts of what I want to do because I I really have like whole album concepts like very very impactful albums of stuff that I want to talk about Mm -hmm. concepts that have no beats to it you know what I'm saying but there'll be a space and time for that but generally speaking I'm influenced and get inspired by the music first so then the, uh, regarding the way that, you know, y'all work together, did he, was the music completely finished or was it just a beat when you got it to write to? Um, the music was completely finished. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's cool. So then when you wrote, did you also, so you also were able to write in like, I don't know, your ad libs and all this kind of thing. Well, not write in, but you were able to, you know, like really flesh the whole thing out then. Yeah, yeah. I like, you know, yeah, I like for like something to be complete before I start. So I've done some work with people who send me incomplete stuff or be like, oh, Rochelle, arrange it, which I can do, but it kind of throws me off of my writing zone because I'm in a different, I'm more in a production zone if I have to do extra arrangements and stuff like that. And sometimes it just won't get done in the fashion that I would like it to be done in. Cause I just, I be, when I want to write, I'm ready to write. Like, <laughs> um, I don't want to have to, uh, arrange or, you know, post produce a beat. So, and, and so we have two music producers on here. I'm wondering if they have, uh, questions about, um, any, any production questions. Um, not really. I, um, I don't know. I'm still trying to get my life together as far as production goes. How, um, how do you like to, like, how do you like your vocals run, uh, to run? Like, do you like them dry? Do you like them, um, like a lot of reverb? Do you just, how do you like your vocals? Honestly, I, I, I really like them dry. I think they just okay, hit okay. harder when they're, when they're dry. Um, but again, that's a preference thing. Even like, you can get some dope effects out of adding like reverb and stuff, and it would be specifically mm-hmm. for some effect type things. I even like singers. If you are a really, really good singer, I kind of don't like <laughs> reverb on the voice. <laughs> but um, that's just yeah. a preference thing. Do you use um, auto tune or anything like that? Um, no, but I find myself kind of starting just to put a little bit on it just because I like the way it feels inside. It, it's just used as a, like a, uh, a very subtle effect. You wouldn't really know it's on there at all. Cause I don't mm-hmm. really sing. If I, if I get a singer, I'm going to use a sing. It's definitely out of tune on a uh, Rez's voice though. Like, cause that was the sound we were going for. Um, okay. but I like the way it kind of sits in the mix with auto tune on there, but it's not necessarily doing much to my voice at all. I guess it's your name. It's effect. Wow, this is this sounds like fun. Like when you're talking, I feel like I'm in the studio with you. 
while you're making it. So what are you like and what is it like to work with you in the studio? Like if uh, if if the walls could talk. Um, a lot of my uh, producers buddies would say that, like, I'm kind of difficult to work with in the studio because I kind of like I know what I want, sort of. Uh oh, don't say difficult about black women. That's what Aunt Viv said. Don't do that. <laughs> but I mean, I have a specific uh, way I like things or whatever. And they know that. They know what I like too. And they'll try to play around there. But I don't know, man. Honestly, I need to like do an interview with people who've worked with me in the studio just to see what they thought, opposed to what I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering, do you, you know, need like, you know what? I always tell this story to everybody. When, uh, you know, Rodney Jerkins, he tells a story about working with Michael Jackson. And he talked about like how different artists have these different writers and stuff, you know, to work in the studio. And he was saying how a lot of these you know, uh, rappers and things have all of this liquor and all this stuff that they need in order to, you know, get their album done in the studio. And it, you know, it takes time and this and that, and they got to go through all these processes and smoke all this weed and everything. And he said, Michael Jackson. And by the time Ronnie Jerkins worked on Michael Jackson, it was way, you know, it was the 2000, I think. So it was way later in his career. And, uh, mm-hmm. You know, he said Michael Jackson on his rider, he said only thing he wanted, he said they worked on the album for one whole month and it was finishing a month. And he said um, the only thing he wanted for his rider was a pack of white T-shirts and um, some a month supply of yeah month supply of white T-shirts, ivory soap, a cot and a bucket. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> Wait, who's the who's the bucket for? To wash up. <laughs> but uh, I guess I guess to wash up, but hopefully nothing else. But uh <laughs> I'm imagining to wash up. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, God rest his soul. But I just, you know, think about that like one of the top, you know, pop stars in world history you know, uh, made the whole yeah. album, right, in one month and and didn't really have much on his rider, right? He didn't have, like, chocolate-covered strawberries and whatever else um, in order to get the record done. So I'm wondering, like, what's on your rider? Um, I guess maybe it's an Indiana thing. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't need any of that stuff. And even, like, you know, the drug use and stuff like that, I never wanted my talent or what I did to be based off of being influenced by anything other than me. So even when I did drink back when, uh, I would never do music while drinking. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty, well, in that fashion, I'm pretty easy to work with. I don't need all that auto-tune or anything on my, my vocals. I just, I get it in, get it done. I just like the engineer to be quick. Um, that's about it. It really wouldn't be nothing on my rider except for like water. Um, Your manager gonna... is going to kill you. <laughs> no, just kidding. 
but <laughs> I mean, I can get fancy, like, yo, I need like a Baja blast every day in the studio uh, <laughs> from Taco Bell. Like, go get it. Like, I'm simple, man. Honestly, uh, it's just. Are you the type of artist that doesn't leave until you get your copy of the song? Oh yeah, I always get like the copy of the record. Okay. Yeah. Even if it's just to listen back to and make some, because it's always some changes I may want to make. Mm-hmm. When you listen to it the next day, it's nothing better than that. It's like, okay, was I on? How did I feel? Do I still am I still getting the same vibe that I felt last night when I listened to it this morning? Yeah, then you have to do the car test. Yeah. <laughs> All the above. So yeah, I'm definitely leaving with that joint. So what um like over all of your experiences like can you share one of your most favorite experiences um you know doing music uh, as far as what in the studio or performing or just maybe maybe performance one of oh um when I randomly performed at um at the uh the tech event that was at south by southwest i wasn't supposed to be performing and i ended up performing that night for everybody which was super lit it was crazy and then after that some guy in the audience was working for revolt and they invited me to their little party or event that they had that night so I was VIP there just based off of my performance that I had the night before. And that was like one of my favorite um, happenings because it just, I had to make that happen. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like something that was given to me or it was just based off of what I did on stage kind of thing. And I love and What did you love about, what did you love about your stage performance or did they tell you what they loved about it? They really love that I could kind of connect with them because it's it's different. Like, you know, you're dealing with different people. It was a, a diverse crowd, pr- predominantly white in tech. And to have them connect with like a, a black female on stage like that with, you know, hip hop music and, and then to like, really connect and be like, yo, I love that. Da, 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 da. Um, it just showed for me which I, mean, which I already knew but it, like it confirms the reach and what I can do and what my music sounds like and how it affects people um like on just different levels and I, I really loved that I really it was a really good time what were you wearing um because it was south by southwest I really wasn't you know I was dressed like I was at south by southwest I had like bands on some shorts and like a biggie tea or something like it. Wow, so it's like kind of simple. Yeah, because it's a lot of walking at South by Southwest, man. Like a Somehow, lot. When you said South by Southwest and you performed in the tech event and then the guy from the revolt, all somehow in my mind, I imagine you had on like some silver moon boots. <laughs> <laughs> moon walking across stage. Yeah. <laughs> so then when you went to the um when you went to the re- revolt party were you you know like how how did you you know what's the, what I'm trying to say so like you go and then it's like you're just you know you're just welcomed in or they're like walking you around like introducing you 
to people or were you or were you like were they like oh well you come with us to the party and then and then you had to like you know do all your own room working or how did that- oh you 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 got to do your own room working it's just about getting into the door and so it's like your name's on a list or something you know what i'm saying so you just say your name on a list and then you're just in a room um and then you just meet and talk and mingle with everybody uh, i know there was like some different performances going on that night um, I have met the DJ who was there, DJ Hannah Rad, I believe, who's DJing up there, who's like revolted DJ. Wow. Um, that sounds super exciting. Man, it, it was like, it really was. That's definitely on my list of one of my best experiences. Because again, for me, it's it's about connecting with the people, and that's where it started with me on stage connecting with, you know, people. So tell us about one of your most challenging experiences as an artist. Oh, challenging every day as an artist right now. I mean, and what you can share without you know like jeopardizing your career, you know. Um. Um. I think one of my, I don't know, but I think one of the things, I mean, just getting around networking and blah, 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 is, is, is going to be challenging anyway. But I, I thank God for him, like, giving me a type of anointing to be letting in the room. But I remember, like, the first time, like, I was doing some stuff in college or whatever, and uh, I remember, again, being from the Midwest, don't a lot of people come out there. I remember a little scrappy was coming out here to perform somewhere like at a homecoming or something. And I was so excited because it was like, I never really seen nobody like before. Before I moved to Atlanta, I promise you, I never really seen no type of celebrities, nothing. I thought, yo, this is my big break. And at the time I was rapping with um, like these other guys and stuff or whatever. It was like a little rap group or whatever, but one of the guys played me and I didn't get to perform uh, open up for Lil Scrappy when everybody else did. And I, for me, that was just, man, that tore me up, man. I was real sad because I thought that was my big break. And I remember like crying to my grandma over the phone and she didn't you know what I was talking about, Lil Scrappy, what? Like, it was just one of those things. And, can you can uh, you talk more about that? I mean, like not out people, but just you personally, your experience. Like, can you talk about about that? Like, how did that even? How did that happen? Um, what the little scrappy thing? Yeah, like how did it happen that you that you were gonna perform and then what was it like? They well, just the, the, the group stage? of guys. The group of guys just xed me out. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't know what that was about. It could have been, I mean, you know, people do what they do and whatever. You know what I'm saying? We had records together. I don't know why everybody got to perform except for me. Um, but, you know, you got to take those with a grain of salt when you know where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. Um, but, yeah, that, because I thought it was my big break. I, <laughs> that 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 hurt. That, that really hurt. And I just, you got to bounce back and keep going, man. Yeah. You, um. So was it like that? That 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 you were gonna be on a song with 
them or were you going to have your own song or? No, I mean, we just had records together. Like we were all, we had, we were working with the same producers and we all had like songs together. Like it was kind of like a group. Yeah, but I mean like, so was it like that all of y'all were there and then they were like, okay, you can't come on the stage with us type thing? Oh no, they didn't even tell me. Somebody else, like the main guy in the group didn't tell me. Like one of the other guys told me like, yeah, you know, we perform and blah, blah, blah. I was like, what? Um, oh man, that sounds painful. Yeah, it, it, it was. But now that I think about it, like, and that was stupid. And then like, it was just like a kind of a, a weird, um, you know, when you look back on things. Cause I remember I met Lil Scrappy at the airport one time. Uh, this hype man introduced me to him because I knew his hype man or whatever. We were just all at the airport one time. And I just thought, man, that's a full circle moment. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That is a full it's, circle moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Well, so how did you bounce back from that? Again, like passion, vision, knowing where you're supposed to be and where this thing is going. I'm, I'm telling you, vision will take you. It will get you through it, during the worst times ever. You know what I'm saying? Everything is all circumstantial. The road isn't a straightforward road, but when you have a vision of the end, you just keep going. Yeah. And then were you, so between the time that you were crying to your grandmother and you being able to like move forward, like, do you have any sort of um, tools that you could share with people who may have like be going through like a similar type of circumstance? Um, you, I guess you just got to understand that God has more for you. And it may not just, it may not be what you think that's currently the shiny object in front of you. Like, oh, like this is it. Like there's more, there's more to the story. There's, there's other opportunities that may not have been for you, but it's something greater for you. And you got to push toward that. You can't finish the race. I mean, the greatest thing I could tell somebody is just finish the race, man. Finish it. It's better to finish than to start. So if this is, you know, something that you want to do or anything, like if you have a passion for something, you you got to finish the race, keep going. You know, life is crazy. You just got to make the adjustments and and just try new things to get to the end of the finish line. So what would you tell the people who are, you know, which, you know, I, you know, we know about the finish the race and the vision and things like that, but what would you tell the people who are, you know, maybe a bit more uh, afraid of stepping into their, you know, if they, if they, if they have a talent and they, you know, because I guess it, it takes a certain level of courage, but, how how you know were you able to step into you know your courage you know Um, to be able to do that well I I don't you know I think fear is the faith of the devil so I don't really step into that at all I don't I mean you could be scared but I know um 
it's just a, a psychological thing that's not even real. It's false evidence appearing real. Um, and when, because I know that, I know that I need to move in the opposite direction of fear. So if I'm feeling afraid about something, that means I'm on the right path of pushing through. Like I gotta go that way. Um, and it, it just takes practice. It really just takes practice, you know, starting doing one thing that you, you're scared of at a time to get over it, just like anything else. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. So now this, this project that you're working on now, you got one song that's out and when can we expect, you know, some, uh, is it, is it going to be all in, in one that is going to come out together? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, it's going to be all in one that's going to come out together. Right now I'm working on a string of videos for each of the records. I'm working with, uh, this filmmaker out here. Uh, and we're just kind of bouncing ideas off of each other, trying to, you know, have a through line between all the records so we could shoot those and, and put them out when the project comes out. Wow. And yeah, so that should be obviously next year. I was like, let's say, mm-hmm, can't mm-hmm. believe we're in the last days of 2020. We are in a It's actually the, yeah, we are. So <laughs> do you have um, that you can share? Uh, I want to say we put some intentions for you know 2021 like uh and like i said whatever intentions that you're able to share um as far as musically goes yeah um i just just uh, it's going to be a whole lot more content that's going to come out in 2021 i'm just really focused on producing a lot of content and uh content and bars and just good music and trying to figure out where this space is taking everybody right now currently where the creative space is going Mm -hmm. um hopefully the project will be out in the early spring um Mm -hmm. be looking out for partly cloudy coming out then Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's just creating 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 output 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 for me wow i love it i think i just i think well i just had a couple more questions but um i wanted to see if uh gyra or Brittany or deja do y'all have uh, more questions that didn't get answered hello hello i was just gonna ask uh, rochelle what, who are some of her influences i know that you talked about having your own sound and always knowing the direction you wanted to be in but just you know who's your favorite rapper i saw that you know you quote jay a lot didn't know if he was one of your influences um i, I really like a, a lot of my influence are female rappers they're like uh remy and eve and um even like some of the current rappers out today uh i love tiara wax videos they're super cool yes um, they are <laughs> she got something real special going um uh Nas I love his new album that's been on repeat right now mm-hmm. uh, uh, um 
who else do I like? And then on the R&B side, I like SZA. Uh, she just put out something new too. Yeah, she dropped that that full release of that one record, right, or something like that. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I did listen to it. Oh, yeah. you know what? She had a dope um uh acoustic video or something. She just did it that hit different. She was like singing in her bed. I was like, well, how did you make singing in your bed like epic? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole vibe. That's cool. That's whose voice I do like reverb on too, by the way. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, just it's a summer everything, you know what I'm saying? I'm not uh stricken to one genre. Uh like when Jay-Z did that stuff with Lincoln Park, you know what I'm saying? That, you know, made me think of doing other different kinds of collabs and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say that. I saw that you like other genres of music. Like I saw that you like uh, uh, contemporary music, uh, classical music, or am I, I, don't, or am I uh, overstepping that? But it seems like you like that kind of stuff. Um. Yeah, I... Uh... I like a bunch of different stuff, you know what I'm saying? Everything has its value and appreciation, Uh, especially, like, since I'm learning the piano right now, I have a different type of appreciation for classical music right now. Okay. Um, But again, like, all music serves its its purpose and point. I'm a big uh, pop fan, though, too, for sure. Okay. Did you appreciate Nicki Minaj when she when she, I thought she did pop well? Did you what did you think about Nicki's uh pop infusion? I think Doja Cat does it better. Mm, I'd say she does. She does do a pretty good job with the pop. Yeah. Uh I'm really into Doja Cat right now. Okay. Uh Janelle Monet. Love Janelle Monet. I think oh, she infuses no. everything so well. I mean, I could just talk about her for days. Love her too. Yeah, hopefully you can open for her. Oh. That'll be dope. Oh, man, that would be crazy, man. She has the most talented, uh, just uh, artists and musicians on her label too, man. She's just, <laughs> I think she made all the right moves, um, musically, man. It's just great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jaira, you were saying something. Oh, so I've been hearing you've been talking a lot about tech. Are you into, like, one of my first questions are, are you into tech? Uh, Yeah, I kind of slowed down a little bit of paying attention to what's going on, but I was really heavy into, like, uh, the VR stuff because I thought that was going to pop off, like, for real, even though I still have some investments <laughs> on, uh, in Robinhood and some of that stuff. Um, wish okay. I wish I would have invested in Zoom. But God, man, that thing just went up crazy. Um, oh, wow. Dang. It went up because like, of the pandemic. I know, but like when it was like, I looked at it when it was like maybe $125. I was like, nah, that's too expensive to be putting money in. <laughs> and then I was like 400 or something stupid. I'm like, golly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm always into you know what's new and happening in, in tech. It's always super interesting to me because um, you just never know where things are really going to be headed and when things hit. Because even with music and technology, Spotify was jumping off way before it came out here in the UK and stuff in Europe. 
and everybody was just watching and seeing what was going on before they came over here with this stuff. So hmm. it was interesting. No, I, no, I asked because um, I, I myself isn't. I'm into well, aside from the whole music thing, I went. Um, I'm following more of my passion. I was into music for a while, but um, no, I uh, just found like I hit like a. I don't know what to call it, like a um, kind of like where I found more of myself and I found that like tech was it. And so I've mm-hmm. been into it like really, really heavy. Like I've been just, cause I'm trying to go to school for, uh, well, I'm going to school for cybersecurity and um, iOS app development. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's 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 pretty dope, and that's like I think that's always the way to go, um, because you're always going to have technology, and things are constantly developing, and people are, and as they are developing, businesses are being made, and it's always opportunity um, with that whole thing. So I think that's a great move. <laughs> great. Move. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> did Did you want to do like a? a a music tech app or anything like that? Oh, oh that you were, I was just about to say that, yes. I I have a lot of um, plans in store for the future when I do uh, complete the schooling for iOS app development. Um, I want to create like app uh, app where it can help producers and uh, just music oriented people, you know, kind of like Clubhouse in a way, but um, more... Uh, open to where everyone has a chance to speak because I feel like Clubhouse <clears throat> when you join it most people don't really know I mean you could join in conversations um, but like actually have an opportunity to talk to like like uh, for example like Doja Cat like let's say she goes into the app right and mm-hmm. she has like a little chat room you have an opportunity like to talk to her just like one-on-one I don't I kind of want to make an app where it's uh where you can have more opportunity and chances to meet the people that you've always wanted to talk to. But um, that's going to be kind of hard to, I got to develop more of a concept on, you know, the overall bigger picture of it. Right. It it would be more of a a strategy route of what you would want the app to do because you could sell it to like, uh, I'm not record labels. You could sell it to record labels and be like, this is something else you can charge fans for so they can like this is the new uh backstage pass you know what i'm saying yeah so after the show the virtual show yeah 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 which i I could see working and i think they may have something like that they could possibly be using for that but nothing you know that has the market in control right now so it's definitely something you can do yeah definitely so i'm wondering deja did you have any more questions <clears throat> you there, Deja? Are you on mute? Oh, maybe she's stepped away for a minute. Well, we're coming to uh almost like a you know our our hour where we're gonna end. I was gonna talk about the uh the update on the vaccine but we could do that in the new year because you know this is ongoing stuff and um i wanted to you know give uh 
you a chance to give us you know some some uh final words you know for the podcast or things you want to leave folks with definitely listen to your music and follow you on your uh all of your um socials but want to see if there's anything that you wanted uh to share with folks that you didn't have an opportunity to share so far well once you guys follow me on the social you'll find out that i'm not on social so just click the link in the bio and uh hop on that email list so I can contact you guys and talk to you guys directly because uh, that social media stuff got a little unhealthy for me. Um, so I had to step away and figure out a different plan to um, build relationships with uh, the people who listen to my music and the people who want to follow this journey. Um, and then just to hit me directly so we can chat, you know, my email is 8xgrammys at gmail.com if you want to chat about anything. Um, and again, I want to keep up with you guys on the podcast, too, and hear all about your journey. And I'm going to share this podcast with my, my, my email list and stuff like that so you guys get some love on that. Yeah, and then just tell us the name of the song again and where, we, where folks can get it. The name of the song is titled Stay. It's featuring me, Rochelle Bloom, and Res Leon. And you can find that on all the streaming platforms. Your Apple Music, Spotify, uh, on the YouTube, iTunes, all that. Wherever you can stream music, you can find that. Just add it to the playlist and vibe out, man. It can hit me. Connect with me, man. Yeah, this is great. And um, I wanted to see if maybe Brittany, do you have any final words you want to share? Rochelle, really enjoyed you. Uh, thanks for being our first guest. Um, right before we go into the new year, you brought us some great energy, uh, brought us some gems. Uh, no matter what industry you're in, I think that we, we've learned a lot about strategy and passion. And uh, yeah, enjoyed all of you guys. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on here, man. I like the the, the, the talks that we had. <laughs> Deja, you got any final words, final question? No, I guess she stepped away. She, she's on lunch break. She's yeah. on lunch. <laughs> and uh, Jaira, you got any final words, final question? All right, so I just want you all to stay learning and always, you know, learn something new each day. I, I know I do. I always try to learn something new each day. So make sure that you all stay updated and um, constantly uh, feeding your brain. And then for me, just want to uh, echo and say much gratitude, Rochelle, for uh, coming by, stopping by with us. We'll have to have you again, you know, later once you drop the rest of the project. And um, I know I had fun learning from you I, I i love the the song i love the artwork you know you're 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 super incredible shouts out to court digga shout um, out court yeah for connecting us this was really cool yes. um you know i have an entire other platform uh for women in hip-hop so we need to connect on how to uh the women in hip-hop platform can uh you know, bring Rochelle here to Detroit to do some things, even if it's virtually. 
And just want folks to um, check out the music. It is really good. And, you know, is, is, is really inspirational. It's a breath of fresh air. It is really unique. And I think it's, you know, very timely and relevant um, for where we are right now. And just, uh, you know, appreciate getting new music all the time, especially good, you know, good new music. Uh, also just want y'all to keep listening to the Piper Carter podcast. We are on all streaming platforms. You can check us out on our social media on IG and Facebook, we are pc.podcast. And if you want to connect with us and have some conversation, join our Facebook group, Piper Carter Podcast. And as always, we want you to keep checking DetroitIsDifferent.net. That is for the podcast network that brings you all of this good, good and this has been a really wonderful experience for myself and on behalf of Detroit is Different and behalf of Detroit and the Piper Carter podcast, just want to say much gratitude again to you, Rochelle Bloom, much success. We're entering into the new thank year. You. Yeah, thank you. You know, this is this is really good. You know, we starting off with women in hip hop as, as we should. Yeah. And um, y'all got some new music. We're going to put the music inside the episode, you know, for folks to check out a little bit of snippet and we'll see y'all next week. Peace. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify.